Sure, OTAs, training camp, practices, a lot of fun. But the key to the New Orleans Saints offense in 2023 belongs to Pete Carmichael. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints. You are Locked on Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Houdat Nation and Houdat family? Welcome into another episode of Locked on Saints, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget you can subscribe and follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can do so one-on-one with me over at jointsubtext.com. Slash locked on Saints. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, your New Orleans Saints expert, credential member of the media, senior writer and reporter over at Saints News Network, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the New Orleans Saints. You'd also find me every Tuesday in the Locked on NFL podcast and here with you every single Monday through Friday and then some on Locked on Saints. On today's episode of Locked on Saints, we'll get to some of your questions, including is there still a chance that Hunter Renfro ends up getting the phone call or that the Raiders get the phone call and Hunter Renfro is the next Raider to Saint transition. We'll break that down. We'll take a look at A.T. Perry's, the uh, wide receiver, rookie wide receiver out of Wake Forest, his biggest hurdles for this offseason and why one of them isn't as bad as you are hearing. And first, we're going to take a look at the, let's just call it the real deal, Holyfield for the New Orleans Saints. Everything looks good for the New Orleans Saints offense, although of course it is early. It is very early. It's one OTA practice so far, but there's a lot of reason to be excited. New quarterback, receivers taking steps forward. Foster Moreau added. Juwan Johnson continues to grow. Um, You know, exciting running back room, all of that. But all of it means nothing, absolutely nothing, if the Saints don't get their stuff together when it comes to their offensive play calling. And this was a big issue for the New Orleans Saints last year. We saw a lot of Bad tendencies from Pete Carmichael, the New Orleans Saints offensive coordinator, and whoever else was a part of the decision-making process, where they would run, you know, throw an incomplete pass on first and 10 and run the ball on second and 10 like 90% of the time. I'm exaggerating, but you know what I mean. Uh, and it became such a, a big trend that guys like Nick Underhill and I were following it from week one. You could see it during the Atlanta Falcons game. I think I tweeted out something about how they had run the ball five times following an incomplete pass in that game. And it was one of the reasons why their offense was completely flat for for, for three quarters until, of course, Taysom Hill started running the ball in the second quarter. But for the Saints, that was a big issue for them. Um, They had troubles toward the end of the season. You can, of course, think back to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game where they had so much trouble getting the right personnel on the field. And I don't mean they had trouble getting the players on the field that they were supposed to. It's just that literally they weren't putting their stars in the biggest moments on the field. You want your biggest players on the field for the biggest moments so that they can make the biggest plays. Taking Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid and your top receivers off the floor, off the floor. Look at I'm in I'm in basketball mode watching the NBA playoffs. Uh you know, the taking them off the field when you have to keep the ball moving and you got to do it through the air, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to have a bad time and that's exactly what the Saints had, a bad time. So when you think about sort of the key to this New Orleans Saints offense in 2023, it's not just finding the right quarterback. It's not just reloading on the offensive side in terms of pass catching weapons. It's not just 
making sure you have depth on your O-line and in your running back room and being prepared for your worst case scenario at different positions. It's that you might still have your worst case scenario when it comes to play calling, and that can't be the case. I've said it over and over again. A new offensive coordinator needs to be in New Orleans in 2023. And to borrow from my good friend, David Harrison, over at Locked On Commanders and Locked On Bucks, that does not mean that it can't be Pete Carmichael. It's just that Pete Carmichael himself has to be a new offensive coordinator in 2023. He has to be a different version of himself than he was in 2022. I need to see Pete the Drip Carmichael coming through backwards cap, you know, gold chains, uh, leather jacket, not even leather jacket. You know what? I, I want Pete Carmichael to show up looking like a B-boy, like a like run DMC, all black, everything, gold chains, got the poet hat on. I want all of it. That's what I want, Pete. Like, that's the type of energy that you need to see. Like, Pete's got to be a G in 2023. That's the new slogan. There you go. That's the new slogan. Pete's got to be a G in 2023. That's what we need to see because otherwise, uh, well, you can already guess kind of where I'm ready to go, but I'm not about to use file language on the show. You know what I mean? So I think when you look at where the Saints can get on the offensive side, a lot of it is going to have to be not only the execution, which was an issue in 2023, it's in 2022. It's not all on Pete Carmichael. You saw the game to close out the season. You had a, a quarterback on the opposite side of the ball who didn't even have a four passer rating. It was like 3.7, 3.6, whatever it was. But Andy Dalton throwing to wide open spots on the field, but not to the receivers that are also wide open, some miscommunication between the quarterback and the receivers, all that stuff, issues being able to move the ball, stay on the field, yada, yada. That was a big piece of why the New Orleans Saints could not put points on the board last year. It was why the offense wasn't what we're used to seeing in 2022. It wasn't just because the play calling was bad. It was also execution issues. It was not being able to you know, get your players on the field because of injury and availability concerns and things like that. And some of that falls back on the players for having their bodies ready for 20, for, for the football season or whatever, right? And there's no one reason. But what you've seen the Saints do is address depth. That helps with the injury concerns. You've watched them change at quarterback, helps with the quarterback concerns. You have a quarterback now that can identify pressure pre-snap, that can make all the calls, that can call the plays, two plays in the, uh, in the in the huddle, change plays at the line of scrimmage that can read the defense, that can do all the things. You fix that. You've reloaded your wide receiver room. You're hoping that Michael Thomas can stay healthy, but you you haven't settled. You've got Brian Edwards in the building. You've got Shaq Davis in the building. You've got James Washington in the building. You've got A.T. Perry in the building, who we're going to break down here in just a moment. They've addressed those things. They couldn't get the run game going because they didn't have a good tandem back to work with Alvin Kamara. So Alvin Kamara had to be a bell cow back. So what did they do? They went out and they got the guy that had the most rushing touchdowns in 2022 in the NFL and Jamal Williams. And they said, you know what? 17 touchdowns looks really, really nice. Let's go find another guy that's got 17 touchdowns. And then they went and they drafted Kendra Miller, who had 17 touchdowns with the TCU Horned Frogs, 1,399 yards. So they addressed all that. They help themselves when it comes to injury concerns by building up depth. They've helped themselves with talent. They've helped themselves at the quarterback spot. Now they need to help themselves in terms of the play calling. So yes, execution was an issue. Availability was an issue. Injuries are an issue, but the Saints have done a good job safeguarding themselves against those things. They have changed those things. They have fixed those things over the course of the offseason, or at least have put them in positions where you feel like they've fixed those things. We'll see what happens when they actually hit the field. Now you got to fix that and then see how it goes once they hit the field as well. Pete Carmichael is the key to a successful 2023 New Orleans Saints season 
because of what that offense needs to be able to be in order for them to win the games. Coming up next, we're taking a look at A.T. Perry, who can be a big part of this New Orleans Saints offense, but he's got to iron out a couple things. He's got a little bit, got a couple of hurdles out in front of him, but one of them I think is being a little overplayed. Got that coming up for you as we continue on with today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked on Saints brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel, America's number one sports book and the official sports book of the NFL. Great sports betting partner over at the NBA as well. And you can get in on both of those things and much more, including horse racing, auto racing, golf, so much that you can check out over at FanDuel today. You can download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use, and they do instant payback so you don't have to wait till you hit a certain moment or instant cash out so you don't have to wait till you hit a certain amount of money before you get your money back. No, 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 none of that. FanDuel wants you to have your winnings. And it's super easy to win over at FanDuel, especially if you are a first-time user because you can head over to FanDuel.com slash locked on today and take advantage of their no-sweat first bet, which gives you up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't hit, that's $1,000 in bonus bets for that no sweat first bet. So once again, it is fanduel.com slash locked on. So you can check out that no sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets. Fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with Fanduel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, family, continuing on with today's episode of Locked on Saints. Thanks again, as always, all the everydayers out there for making us your first listen of the day every day. Hey, we have our last live show of the week tonight. Make sure you come through over at the Locked on Saints podcast over on the YouTube side. You can catch it wherever you get your podcast very soon after that as well. So make sure you're coming through for the live show as we uh, look to break down a little bit more of the hurdles that some of these young guys have to be able to leap in order to be very impactful in 2023. And today I want to start off with A.T. Perry. A.T. Perry, the wide receiver out of Wake Forest, as the Saints drafted in the sixth round after trading Adam Troutman to the Denver Broncos. Clearly, the New Orleans Saints were very happy to get their hands on A.T. Perry. Mickey Loomis told us face-to-face at the New Orleans Saints Golf Classic that, hey, we were very happy to get him, and especially where they got him. So what is the thing that, what are the two things that A.T. Perry has to improve, the kind of hurdles that he has to leap in order to be impactful as soon as he gets his opportunities. And the one that you're going to hear a lot about are drops. And have I seen him drop passes in rookie minicamps and OTAs? Yes. But have I also seen a back shoulder throw where he ended up contorting his body and making a spectacular catch on the sideline? Absolutely. Have I also seen a pass that was delivered uh, too far out of bounds, even though it was a nice back shoulder throw? It was just a little bit too far out of bounds and off target by Jake Hayner? Yes. Have I also seen Jordan Howard jump the route and make a great play on a crossing route that A.T. Perry was running? Absolutely. So it's not just as simple as A.T. Perry was targeted four times and only caught one. He's a bum. It's not that simple. And that is not true. He is far from a bum. And if you have to understand this, or if you're somebody that's discussing this, you have to include the context. A pass was off target. Jordan Howden made a fantastic play. There was another one that was just lobbed up to him down the field and kind of said, hey, go up there and see if you can come down with it, that there was no chance he was going to come down with it. So not everything was completely catchable for A.T. Perry during the first day of OTAs. So I'm curious to see how much he continues to grow. But we did see him straight up just drop a pass during uh, routes on air during rookie minicamps. And so you do want to see those things get fixed. The good news when it comes to A.T. Perry is that if you watch his tape, The drops that he has had throughout his collegiate career were not drops that just simply show you that he's got hands of stone. They were concentration drops. They were focus drops. They were, I'm going to catch this. 
and I'm going to be able to turn it upfield and get more yardage. So what's going on up here? And then boom, drop, right? So those are the things that you want to clean up. Catch the ball, get it secured, and then start to worry about turning upfield and picking up additional yardage. And getting hit, getting hit in stride will be a big part of helping to improve that. And that's the diff- one of the big differences that comes with being thrown to by your first string quarterback as opposed to your rookie quarterback that's throwing for the first time in NFL action. Those things are going to be vastly different from one another. So I do think that there are going to be some things. As good as Jake Hayner is with ball placement, not every pass is going to be on target early on in his career. And a couple of passes that did sail on Jake Hayner were his very, very first passes in seven-on-sevens and team drills as far as what we've seen. So I wouldn't get too hung up on the drops, or I wouldn't get too hung up on the misconnections with A.T. Perry. It's early. And there's a lot of context. It's Like I said, it's not as simple as just A.T. Perry had zero reasons to not catch that pass, because that's just simply not true. In fact, the pass that he did catch against uh, Isaac Yadam in coverage, delivered by Jake Hayner, is a pass that he had a lot of reasons not to catch. Jake Hayner just gave him a fighting chance. He fought, and he won. And that's what you want to see. Here's the thing that, that you want to see A.T. Perry get better at that is actually something that will maybe take a little bit of work. The first thing, or the, the, the big thing, is being able to get a little bit better at identifying holes in zone coverage. And that's going to naturally be something that he is going to be better at. Look, he played against a lot of teams that just played straight up man coverage in college. Um, and you know, he won a lot of those reps and he got a lot, he drew a lot of press coverage, drew a lot of press man coverage because people wanted to get their hands on him. And that was where he excelled fighting through all that contact and being able to go up and make big plays. So the, the, the thing that you want to see him get better at is when he does face zone coverage, finding the soft spot in the zone, right? So you have, let's say it's a cover two look. And you've got, or no, sorry, let's say it's a cover three look against a nickel-based defense. So you've only got two linebackers on the field. You've got, you know, a corner and two safeties that are dropping back to take the deep thirds of the field. And you have a couple of other guys that are dropping, uh, you know, to these sort of like midfield zones in the intermediate areas. What's going to end up being left open for you is going to be the two linebackers that are splitting the field to the other side, the middle of the field, the intermediate area, and then underneath in the short area. So if he's running, let's say a crossing route coming across the field, and that crossing route is supposed to take him 10 yards upfield, or it's a deep in, for instance, maybe you trim that down a little bit, and then you roll off the top of it, and then you stay a little bit further, a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage so that you work your way open in between those linebackers, or you're running a mesh pattern, and so you you bend yourself downfield or back upfield a little bit to make sure you're in that sort of shallow zone or shallow flats area. Those are the things that he's going to have to learn. Those are the hurdles that he's going to have to hurt, that he's going to have to leap. The good news, though, is that not only does he have Cody Burns to work with, who's you know been one of the most celebrated and uh, you know young talents coming out of the collegiate uh, landscape at wide receiver coach while he was at Auburn, while he was at Tennessee, and still now while he's in New Orleans in Tennessee. I'm sorry, I mean the uh, the Tennessee Volunteers. He not only that, you've got Michael Thomas, who's one of the best at seeing the defense the same way that his quarterback does bending his routes, adjusting his routes, adjusting his angles, taking a harsher angle, taking a steeper angle, all these other things based upon what you're seeing the defense do and where the green grass is. Chris Olave, same thing. Rashid Shahid, same thing. He's going to learn from all of the guys around him. Foster Moreau's excellent at this too. He'll learn from Foster Moreau as well. So he will inherently get better at that skill. And to me, 
That is the more important skill that he has to clean up. The drop stuff, That's he's going to get better there. That's going to happen. It's fine. It's not a big deal. And especially when you consider, again, not every time that, you, that a receiver doesn't catch a pass in practice is not a drop. That's not how football works, right? And I'm not blaming anybody. I'm just saying I'm giving you the context that I know you deserve and that I know that you need. So really, when it comes to A.T. Perry, his focus has to be on finding his way to get open against NFL defenses and NFL speed versus zone coverage. If he can do that and maintain his dominance that he has shown you, or let's say maintain his winnability that he has shown you against man and against press, that is going to make him boom, ascend to a whole other level. So don't be worried too much about the drops just yet. I'll let you know. I'll be honest if you need to be worried about those. But for right now, let the kid develop and let him get better in the area that's really going to impact his game. And that's getting open against the zone coverage. Coming up next, we're going to wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, taking a look at whether or not Hunter Renfro is still in play for the New Orleans Saints. And a couple of good questions for you, uh, or for me, from you, that we're going to look at as well. Got that coming up for you. As we continue on a wrap up today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it. Who that nation wrapping up today's episode of Locked on Saints with your questions for me from the Locked on Saints multiverse, 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 mediaverse. I think we've been saying, I don't know. We're having a lot of fun over here on Locked on Saints. We're going to start off with Short Dog 04, who asks, any more updates on a possible Hunter Renfro trade? So Hunter Renfro, the uh, slot receiver from the Las Vegas Raiders. And let me be clear. I call him a slot receiver. I call him a slot specialist, but he can impact the game in other places as well. He can line up out wide. He can run routes. And if you can run routes, you can affect the game from anywhere. So I'm not trying to shortchange him by calling him a slot specialist or a slot receiver, but I'm emphasizing the slot fit because I think the Saints still need to figure out who's going to be their go-to slot receiver, their primary slot guy. You get a lot of guys who can take snaps in the slot. Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Rashid Shaheed, Brian Edwards, A.T. Perry wants to impact the game more from the slot. Uh, James Washington's done it a little bit, but I think that in Traquan Smith, Kirk Merritt, but I think that a guy like Hunter Renfro does have that contribution ability. So will the Saints trade for him? We don't know yet, but the date to watch is June 2nd. June 1st is sort of that contract deadline, really important uh, a date in the NFL because it's when if you make a move with a player, make a transaction with a player in which you move on from them, then the dead money doesn't fully accelerate to the year where you've moved on from them, whether it be via trade or via release. Uh, you can designate players as post-June 1 releases much earlier. The Raiders haven't done that yet. So it seems that if they are going to part ways with him, and they might have drafted his successor already in this year's draft, uh, the Raiders did. And so the trade seems to be the way to go, but you can't do a post-June 1 trade until literally post-June 1. You can't say, okay, they've come to terms on this agreement and it will be calculated after June 1st. You literally have to wait until June 2nd and then make the trade. So that's the date to watch. We've seen this pop up over and over again. Senior Bowl, Combine, NFL Draft, yada, yada. Now June 1 is the next big place where you could say, oh, okay, it could happen. So what I'll say is that, do I have an update in terms of interest? Well, there's a lot of it that's been rumored. And I think where there's smoke, there's fire in a situation like this, especially with how aggressive the Saints have been this offseason and how much they focused on surrounding Derek Carr with familiar weapons that they believe in. And I think Hunter Renfro should be one of those guys that they do believe in and that they could surround Derek Carr or continue to surround Derek Carr with. But will it happen? June 2nd is the date to watch, or at least after June 1 is the time period to watch for. 
Gonna go to Mr. Jerry here. Onk, Jerry G asked, uh, did the Saints bring in a couple of kickers for tryouts? So they haven't brought in a couple of kickers for tryouts, but they already have a couple of other kickers on the roster. Uh, they have a young guy, uh, Cuvera, that they brought in early on this offseason, and then they brought in Groupie as a, out of Notre Dame as a uh, undrafted free agent. Uh, but I, I got to tell you, I mean, we watched, and John Hendricks and I talked about this over at SI, um, or sorry, over at uh, 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 Sports, uh, at Saints News Network. Uh, don't, I, I'm, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired. I couldn't remember the name. Saints News Network, which is a part of SI's fan nation. Uh, he and I did a show over there and, and did a, a quick podcast over there and we were kind of breaking it down and Will Lutz went 13 of 13 on Tuesday, kicking from extra point range until I think John Hendricks said it was somewhere around like the mid 40s, 13 of 13, not five of five, not six of six, seven of seven, eight of eight, 13 of 13. That's the Will Lutz you know and love. That's the Will Lutz you want to see. Now, can he do it again under game pressure? How is his health feeling? All that other stuff. Look, he had two subpar seasons when it comes to his standard coming from that core surgery. Is he better now? I think is the big question that you have to ask. And I think it's a big question that the New Orleans Saints want to learn. But I think for sure, want to learn the answer to. But I think for sure, he will have competition. In training camp, he absolutely will have competition, and and whether it be Quivero, whether it be um, uh, Groupie, like there will be those opportunities uh, for some of those other guys to come in and compete with Will Lutz. But Will Lutz did definitely look better in OTAs than we've seen him look uh, over the course of the past couple of seasons, as he's been kind of recovering and recalibrating from that core injury and core surgery. So definitely something to continue to watch for there, uh, and how good uh, that is. I'll tell you who else looked good: Blake Gilligan. The hang time on his punts, which by the way, the Saints had three different punt returners that they rotated during OTAs. Chris Olave, Rashid Shahid, Malik Flowers. Those shouldn't be surprises. They often use Chris Olave in that role when it comes to the hands team and stuff like that during uh, practices and OTAs and everything. Uh, Rashid Shahid is your incumbent return specialist. Malik Flowers is your uh, let's wait and see how he does as a returner specialist. I think he might fare a little bit better in kickoffs uh, than he will in punt returns. He had a little bit of trouble fielding some of the punts. But, you know, we'll see how that sort of progresses over time. Again, much like the A.T. Perry situation, there's a lot of context that goes into that, and it's still very, very early. Let's see how things evolve over time. All right, last question here, and this one is mostly about the show, more about the show than it is about, um, than it is about the Saints. But I'm curious about this, and I, I'm going I'm to put this question back to all of you. Um, it's from Eric Munoz. He asked this question during the live show on Wednesday night. Uh, Ross, do you do any meet and greets? Let me be vulnerable here with you for a moment. I don't think I'm special enough or like, I don't think off the top of my head on my own that I mean enough to do something like a meet and greet. You know what I mean? But maybe that's just me being down on myself. So here's what I'll say. If y'all would like to do a meet and greet, I would be more than happy to do it here in New Orleans. I could put some together too in different cities that I'm traveling to, especially things like Los Angeles and stuff like that. Like, you know, there's there's places where I know people and stuff like that. But but the thing is, is that like, not only do I want to know, like, would you be down for a meetup? You hear me saying like a bunch, it's because I'm nervous. Like these are the types of like you're really seeing behind the curtain on Ross right now. Um, so if you'd be down for that, let me know. You can let me know any way you want to. Subtext folks, you can text me. Um you know, uh, Twitter folks, you can write me on Twitter, uh, uh, Saints, you know, uh, you can let me know in the comments, you can let me know in the, the Facebook group, all that, whatever. A, would you come? And B, 
if there's anybody that has a place that would be willing to host something like this, please let me know because we can come together, we can partner, like we can do a whole bunch of things and stuff like that. And so like my my immediate, I have a couple of places in mind, but you know, I'd love to like show some love back to a, a spot that is like a business that's owned by somebody that has shown me so much love. Like I'd love to give back in that way. So if that's something that you'd be interested in, whether it be hosting or attending, let me know. If there's enough people that say yes in, you know, all the different ways that you can get in touch with me, uh, then yeah, I'd, I'd hundred percent be down to do it. And we could probably do our first one, like before training camp or something like that. Um, and then we can do, you know, different ones throughout the season. And then, like I mentioned from away, uh, if you're in one of the places where the saints are traveling to, and you'd be willing to host, that could be really helpful to me, uh, as well and not host at your house. You got to have a business where a whole bunch of people can come, uh, or however many people, I don't know, maybe only five people will be interested. I'm not sure, but you see, so getting vulnerable again, but I appreciate y'all so much as always making lots and take your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget to let me know about all that. Um, coming up in our live episode later on today, keep you up to date with all the biggest news around the New Orleans Saints, but then we're also going to take a look at Brian Brzee, Isaiah Foskey, same way we looked at A.T. Perry today. What are some of the biggest hurdles that they have to leap in order to uh, really be in a place where they're going to be able to have massive impacts their rookie season? So we're going to break that down in our live show, uh, which will also be posted everywhere, as you know. Appreciate you as always. Making Locked on Saints your first listen of the day, every day. And of course, for always uh, making me a part of your day, part of your routine for saying yes to me and the show. As always, if you see me, say hi. And of course, if you want to con- continue the conversation with me one-on-one, we can do so at joinsubtext.com slash Locked on Saints. Appreciate you as always, y'all, once again. If you need anything else around your New Orleans Saints in between these episodes, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you're living. Let me know how your mom and them. And trust you, that nation, I'll holla at you.